Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like being in an insane asylum. You have the freedom to lose your mind or to have your mind blown, free your mind. I don't know. Whatever the positive version of that is, is what is what this is. Today on the show, I have Marshall Silver with me. And uh, this is pretty exciting because this is like the first episode or the first time I've had um, someone who is kind of an insane success. Uh, he's just, he's doing really well. He's been on um, quite a few TV show appearances. He's uh, known as the world's fastest hypnotist. Uh, and he is just amazing at what he does. And he's coming up with this program called Certainty to help people achieve their dreams via hypnotism. And sort of this podcast helps you to kind of understand that hypnotism is not like a metaphysical thing. It's kind of about unlocking cognitive understandings and abilities that we already inherently have. So it's really interesting. And we talk a little bit about money mindset too, which is something I spoke of in a uh, recent episode uh, within the last few months. So uh, definitely go back and check out the money mindset episode and then listen to this one because it really helped me to uncover this feeling that I do deserve more for what I do. And, um, you know, we, we often block ourselves from, from allowing us for whatever reason, for social reasons, for our own reasons, for how we've grown up to block us from getting the things that we want or working towards the things that we want in life. So, um, Marshall is really good at breaking that down and can kind of give you a, um, you'll definitely feel motivated after listening to this one. So without further ado, Marshall Silver, welcome to the show. Drums, all right marshall silver welcome welcome to the show how's it going it's awesome christian thank you so much for having me on your program yeah this is this is exciting um so tell us a little bit about uh who you are and what you do i am i've been on stage since i was seven years old and i'm celebrating my 56th birthday this year i've been teaching people since I was 23 years old, how to utilize the power of their mind. The media calls me the greatest hypnotist of all time, mostly because it's in my press kit. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I also uh, know a thing or two about influence, about getting people from where they are in their mind to where they want to be. I sell things. Right. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit more about that. You know, what fascinated me when, um, so, so Courtney Blair set us up. Um, she's going to be on the podcast soon too. And, she's awesome. Um, yeah, she's great. Uh, so she, the, what kind of struck me uh, about you when she described you to me was the, the whole hypnotist kind of angle. If, sure. Not to be reductive, but <laughs> uh, sure. the, the, the hypnotist aspect and power of the mind, you know, what, what, what kind of uh, started you to get into this and, and how did you find it as a, a means to help people and not just be like a, you know, a show? And entertainment, sure. I, um, as I mentioned, I, I've been performing since I was seven years old. I started off as a magician. And my family was dirt poor growing up. Uh, we had no running water. We had no electricity. We had no phone. Often we had little, sometimes no food. I have nine brothers and sisters. And so when you grow up in those kind of dire straits, you, you really do count your blessings. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, a young man, as a young man, I was fairly socially phobic. If I was on stage performing, I was fine. I was off stage. I was awkward and, and not really 
didn't know how to interact with people off stage. Mm-hmm. And at 16 years old, I was at my high school and a hypnotist came, a stage hypnotist came and he got up on the platform and I volunteered, went on stage. So I like being on stage mm-hmm. and he flapped his arms up and down. And at the end of it all, he gave me a suggestion. He said that when he said the words, sunny boy, I would stand up for my seat in the audience. I would walk back to the stage. I'd fall on my own butt. I'd roll my pant legs up above my knees. I'd stick my thumb in my mouth and I'd climb on his lap and I'd say, sing it again, daddy. <laughs> I remember going back to my seat, as you know, socially conscious as I was, thinking there's no way in the world I'm going to do that. Right. Yet I go back to my seat. He says the word sunny boy. I stand up and I feel like a magnet is pulling me back to the stage. I feel like I could resist it if I wanted to, yet for some reason I'm just doing exactly what he said I would do. Right. On stage, pant legs rolled up, up on his lap, thumb in mouth, sing it again, daddy. And Christian, I went home that night and I, I was boggled. I was thinking to myself, was I actually hypnotized? Or was I just doing what he had told me to do? Right. And I thought, well, what if he told you to be confident? And uh-huh. just because he told you to be confident, you became confident. I thought, right. well, what if he told you to go out and, you know, get off drugs? Because at the time, I was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. I thought, what if, what if he had told you to go out and be a multimillionaire? And because he told me I could, I believed that I would. And I went out and took fearless action. I realized in that moment, if that was hypnosis, which, by the way, it is, right. then this is one of the most powerful forces on the planet. I uh, did some studying, found some, some books, and I hypnotized my first three subjects by the time I was 17. Uh, they responded extremely well. The first one, in fact, was a, a girl, uh, another student. It would have nothing to do with me before I hypnotized her, and after I hypnotized her, wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> and then the challenge was the next three people that I went to hypnotize, I didn't get good results. Okay. And at the time, I didn't understand what was going on. I kind of thought I'd lost my power, and so I let it go. And proceeded with my life. From the time I was 21 till I was 23, I had eight different jobs, lived in eight different apartments. I was really looking for my purpose. I was looking for who I was. And I came across a guy who previously I had worked with him as a DJ. We were mobile DJs for a company. And we would go and like play wedding receptions or a military base. And and we'd make 250 bucks per four-hour shift, which was decent money for me in my early 20s. Right. And one day, one day um, I saw that he wasn't working with us anymore, and I was doing a, a gig on a military base, and I saw a poster, he'd become a hypnotist. And it got me thinking again, gosh, I remember back when you know, I had done that, and I ran into him on the military base. I said, how's, the, how's it going? He goes, oh, it's going awesome. I used to make 250 bucks for four hours. Now I make $2,500 for an hour. It's going great. Wow. <laughs> I said, whatever, whatever he did, I need to do. And right. so I, I tracked down... A, the guy that trained him and uh, at 23 years old coughed up the three grand that I had to cough up to, to go train with him. And what was interesting is the first day I was training with the guy that was supposed to be the best hypnotist in the world. On the first day of this five day course, 10 hours a day, when I saw what he was doing, it was like the floodgates opened up. Mm-hmm. I knew that I knew there was nothing he was teaching me that I didn't know. What I needed was the knowledge that I knew I needed to be certain. Right. So, so I left that day. It was, it's a, five-day course, 10 hours a day. I left that day at lunch, drove back from LA down to San Diego where I lived, mm-hmm. cold called an entertainment company the next morning and sold my undone, un- uncreated hypnotic show four nights a week. Got back in my car, drove back up to the class, and the teacher is ranting about people's lack of commitment. And I know it's directed toward me. 
And, he, you know, people will never succeed unless they commit to things, you know, go home early, show up late. That's never going to work. What do you have to say for yourself? Right, right. And I said, you know, I was so inspired by what you taught yesterday. I got in my car. I drove to San Diego. I booked my uncreated hypnotic show four nights a week. And I just wanted to say thank you. You've changed my life. And without missing a beat, this guy says, and he's the exact reason people succeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, changed on a dime. That's fantastic. Yeah, and as they say, the, the rest is history. You know, I've had the uh, great fortune to have headlined with my hypnotic production show, the largest of its kind, mm -hmm. on all the main stages in Las Vegas. My main residence is Las Vegas. My vacation home is down in a little town called Carlsbad, California. Mm -hmm. I have uh, appeared six times on Late Night with David Letterman, five times on Howard Stern's show, numerous other television uh, programs. I'm the most televised hypnotist of all time. Back in 1994, and I know this is a lot about me, this will give you kind of the foundation. Back in 1994, I created an infomercial that sold a subconscious reprogramming product, a product that was designed to teach you how to program your brain for better relationships, more money, emotional, mental, and physical well-being. I produced the show for 10 grand. The show in the first year went on to do over 120 million in sales, propelled me to the heights, all heights that I wanted, and has been a phenomenal ride. Yeah, that sounds really great, and it's fascinating. I, you know, I love, I love hear, hearing about people's personal stories. So I, I, I always come into this, and I'm like worried that someone's just going to try to make a sales pitch the entire time, which is totally fine. That you could, you know, push your stuff. That's the point of this. But uh, it's great to hear about your story, your background, and how you got to this because it's not something that everyone thinks about. It's not something that like people think about when until they go to Vegas and they're like, oh, hypnotism, that's cool, or someone yeah. goes to their school, like you said, and it's like. Uh, uh, you hear about it. So when did you start applying this from something that was um, entertainment into something that was more of a helping people sort of thing? Like I know you're launching something soon, uh, Certaintology, I think it is. Yes, we're, we're, we're launching a company called Certainty Incorporated, teaching uh -huh. a, a process called Certaintology. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, because I realized there was something beyond programming. There's, there's a place where, you know, if, I, if I've hypnotized somebody, and, and by the way, the stage show is an excellent way for people to gain an interest and say, hey, that was pretty phenomenal. You made those three women stiff and rigid. You laid them across supports for their ankles and their necks, and then you walked up their bodies like a human staircase. That was awesome. I'm an athlete. Can you help me perform at a higher level? Right. Or they'll say, you know, you, you hypnotize somebody to speak a language from another planet. Could you hypnotize me to speak another language from this planet? Right. Or someone says, you know, you made those people do the most amazing things. Could you make them buy a car or could you teach me how to do that to make them buy a house? And the answer <laughs> to all those questions is absolutely. Right. So, so my first gigs, because I came from an entertainment background, were entertainment. And one of my first uh, bookings was for a group of Kentucky Fried Chicken franchisees. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had all these owners in a room and I, I hypnotized uh, all of them to think they were chickens and I hypnotized one of them to believe he was the colonel and he's chasing them around the stage <laughs> like he's going to catch them and fry them. Right. And at, at the end of the show, one of the owners came up to me and said, can you, can you hypnotize my employees to show up to work on time? I said, no, but I can hypnotize you to communicate better. Mm. And he paused and he said, what's that mean? I said, I can hypnotize you to communicate with your employees in such a hypnotic fashion. They will show up on time. Right. He said, well, heck, if you could do that, that's worth a lot of money to me. I said, how much is it worth to you? He laughed. He said, could you really do that? I said, yeah. He said, what would you charge for, for a day of training in that? I said, again, mind you, I'm brand new. So I just pulled a number out of thin air. I said, $25,000. Right. And he said, he said, well, what if I got a bunch of owners together? I said, it would be a really wise thing for you. Right. <laughs> and uh, I did the seminar and 
two things happened. Number one, it changed my world financially forever. I realized, you know, I was making a couple grand for the show. I could make 10 times that if it was a practical application. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is that I really fell in love with the idea of being able to do what I love, entertain, yet ultimately on a, on a grander scale, change people's lives forever. So that is the business model that I've been using now for the past 30, almost 33 years is that I use the entertainment product to excite people's imagination, get them asking the question. And then the next day I come back and I do an educational program that teaches them, shows them exactly how I did everything that I did. And then I tell them, I'm also going to demonstrate what I call full awareness hypnosis. You're going to see me sell somebody in this room something they didn't even know they wanted. No, no way in the world would they ever buy it. Yet when I'm done using these techniques, not only are they going to buy, they're going to command me to sell it to them. And they're going to thank me after I'm done. Next week, next year, 10 years from now, they'll be grateful that they were sold. Right. And then I bring a person up from the audience and I use full awareness language patterns and I sell them on the idea of eating fire on the spot, even though they've never eaten fire in their lifetime. And then they eat fire. That's fantastic. <laughs> Great stuff. You know, yeah. again, I, I love my life. I'm very grateful. I have a, a beautiful bride that I was doing an event in Boston. There were a thousand people in the room. This was 11 years ago. And I saw this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman seated four rows back. And uh, I get on stage and I say to the thousand people, who in this room is single and would love to create an awesome, passionate relationship? And uh, she smiles, but she doesn't put her hand up. A bunch of other people do. Right. I say, okay, she's not single. So who in this room is in a relationship and they'd like more passion in that relationship? Put your hand up. Not only does she not put her hand up, she looks away from me. Mm -hmm. And so what, what that told me, the cold read on that is she's in a relationship. She's not happy. She needs to, she wants to know how to unwind. It doesn't know how. So I said, all right, game on. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I stepped down into the audience and I'm teaching the thousand people simultaneously. I'm hypnotizing her in a full awareness hypnotic uh, process to ask me out on a date on the first break. Right. And on the first break, she comes and she asks me out on a date. And as they say, the rest is history. Uh, it's 11 years later. We've got three beautiful babies that were all born via hypnosis. Some people would say they were conceived via hypnosis, and I won't argue with that, but they were all born via hypnosis at my uh, 17,000 square foot home in Las Vegas. No pain, no drugs, no doctor. Right. In fact, uh, Prosperity's birth, my daughter's birth, the youngest one, uh, we streamed live online so that people could see my wife giving birth, and uh, it looks like she's sleeping. There, there's a there was a troll, I remember, in the chat. They mm -hmm. kept saying, see, this isn't real. There's no way she's in labor. That's not real. Right. And even when I lifted my baby up into the frame, because, you know, we shot, we shot from the waist up. My wife was wearing a bikini top. I was topless because we needed ratings. And uh, <laughs> when I brought the baby into frame from the, from the tub, from the water, right. uh, this troll even says in the chat, see, that's not even a real baby. Mm -hmm. and, and I get it. You know, I get that people are hypnotized to believe things are supposed to be a certain way that, you know, making money is hard or babies have to be born in a hospital or they're not going to be born well. And yet all three of my babies, all three of our babies were born at home in the bathtub, no pain, no drugs, no doctors. Yeah. And I'm sure you're dealing with, you know, uh, uh, the social aspect of people being struck with disbelief, not just trolls, but I think a lot of people think of hypnosis as more of like a, uh, uh, um, uh, like a metaphysical thing or a spiritual thing or something like that, like that it's something that you're accessing the unknown or something like that. And it's really, it seems like you're just unlocking things that are in, innately in the human brain. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's, right. there's no magic. Although again, certainty is magical. Right. You know, when, when, when a person goes from who they are or who they believe they are 
Mm-hmm. As the example goes, eating fire even. And they eat fire, and it's really easy. It's not difficult. And you see the terror on their face before they do. And then you see the look of joy and satisfaction on their face after they've eaten fire. Your brain starts to accept the fact that maybe, maybe I'm making things harder than they need to be. And maybe, just maybe, I could you know, take a look at other parts of my world, like making money, like relationships, like our health, and, and apply it that way and say, okay, if it weren't difficult, what would I do? You know, if, if my success were, were certain, would I take an action right now? And the answer always is an overwhelming, of course I would. So what do you think, uh, to, to kind of transition to you, what do you think is the most, um, the most usable or the most, um, the most useful trait that you have as a person that has allowed you to be so uh, successful in this? You know, you mentioned kind of uh, being able to spot tells and be observant, and you're also entertaining. Um, you know, what other elements of your personality has allowed you to succeed in this particular profession? Certainty. You know, again, I, I was retired for six years. When, when my son was born, I caught him in the bathtub and I looked into his eyes and I, I uh, said, sweetheart, I just want to spend the rest of my life with you and Sterling. I, I'm, I'm done. I've made $200 million. We're good. Right. And then, then Maximus was born in the tub and I caught him in my hands and I thought, gosh, what, what a great trip this is going to be traveling around with my beautiful bride and my boys. And then Prosperity was born and I caught her in the tub and I looked into her beautiful little eyes and I thought to myself, uh, little girls are really expensive. I think I need to get back to work. <laughs> and so for me to get go back to work, I, you know, I fly around on private jets. I live in a 17,000 square foot palace in, in Vegas. I've got a beach home right on the water in Carlsbad. For me to go back to work, it wasn't about money. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, you know, what's the bigger reason you, 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 you're going to do this? Mm-hmm. And it, it occurred to me that once again, that, that I personally can leave a legacy of bringing certainty to the planet one person at a time by creating demonstrable examples that, that people, there's no, way, there's no way for somebody to look at my, my petite, beautiful little bride knowing she gave birth in the bathtub and she'll tell you straight up, no pain, no drugs, no doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, there are women that can't even conceive of that. They're, they're saying you're lying, you're making it up. You felt pain, you just, you know, you're pretending you didn't. And right. she'll say, no, I didn't feel pain. Um, money cures most things. And I think that a lot of people have really bad programming regarding money that that causes them to not have great wealth to not have the success and fortune and prosperity that they deserve and it's all because you know they were programmed by people that also had bad programs around money they were they were programmed by their parents our parents are the first hypnotists we encounter Mm -hmm. and often our parents give us truths that that just aren't real you know my mother loved me very much my father was out of the picture before i can remember uh never had a relationship with him yet my mother loved me very much and so what she told me i believed to be true one of the things she told me was, Marshall, work hard, get ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm positive. If you work hard, what you get is more hard work. Right. If you finish a full day's worth of labor in a half a day, your employer is going to give you another full day's worth of labor in the afternoon. So that's simply not true, even though I thought it was true. And I watched my mother work in three jobs, and I duplicated what she was doing. Right. What I've come to learn, though, is that those that think govern those that labor. So one, one of the positions we've got to start in, Christian, no matter what it is, you take somebody like a Tesla or an Edison, they didn't say, gosh, can I invent something? They said, how do I invent something? Right. And then they go to task on that thing as if it were certain. So there really is just three steps. Step number one is we've got to create a state of self-mastery. We've got to take total control of our thoughts and emotions. I've got a training program that I've been doing for 33 years called Turning Point. People can find out more about it at silver, S-Y-L-V-E-R.com. Okay. The, uh, the first thing that, that Turning Point does is it turns up your wantingness. 
Right. We, we as human beings are not motivated unless we, we want something. And, you know, it's a Buddhist curse. May all of your greatest desires be instantaneously fulfilled. And as a young man, I didn't really realize what that was until I experienced the curse. When I had everything that I wanted, when I had the love that had eluded me for a lifetime, and I, you know, I, I have the lifestyle that I, is more than I dreamed of. I realized the second thing that we've got to do, not only turn up our wantingness, the second thing is we've got to master our, our thoughts and emotions. We've got to take total control of our thoughts and emotions and choose them in any given moment, not give our power away. Right. Next thing we need to do is we, we need to figure out what are the tools for the task at hand. You know, in a relationship, one of the major tools is communication. The second tool is agreement. You know, if we have something that we don't agree on, what are the tools we use to find an agreement, even if the agreement is we can't agree? The number one tool, the number one tool in making money is the ability to influence others. And I call it irresistible influence when someone begs you for what you're selling and thinks it was their idea. Right. And then the, the final thing that we need to do to get anything we want in any area, whether it's eating fire or having an awesome relationship or great health or, you know, having a ton of money, is the third thing we have to do is we must act with those tools upon that thing that we want as if our success were certain. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, that, that, that certainty aspect and really just having a vision. Would you say that's not too different from the, um, from the phrase, you know, if you build it, they will come? <laughs> yeah, you know, certainly that is a, a part of that process that we have to have faith and faith equals follow through. Right. We finish things we are certain about. We, we stop when we experience doubt. Mm -hmm. So the more you can eliminate doubt from your life, the more you can eliminate doubt from your perspective. You know, be certain. If you're married and, and you've got a good marriage, then be certain it's the one you're supposed to be in. Right. If, you are, if you are, you know, creating an endeavor, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a seminar or whether it's an invention, approach that thing with a sense of certainty or leave it alone. If you're not able to find a sense of certainty in that thing that you're doing and, and the doubt is just too large, then back away. Now, you take a look at somebody like a Jeff Bezos who became the wealthiest person on the planet in 20 years from scratch, from nothing right. in 20 years. You take a look at people like Jobs and Gates or Zuckerberg or, you know, Bryn or Page. And these are people that, uh, you know, Larry and, and Sergey and Mark, they became DECA. That's, that's 10 times over. DECA billionaires with a B. Right. in under five years. Right. So if they can do it, we're just one idea away from a billion dollars. Right. And, and I think, you know, what's interesting is, that, you know, this is, this podcast is a little bit more ground level. And I think there are people who absolutely are aspiring to that amount of wealth. Um, the difficulty that I've had personally is, uh, I, I talked about this on a recent episode about money mindset, where I also grew up poor, not as poor as you were exclaiming or, or talking about, but, um, definitely had some mindset issues where you feel like everyone you're surrounded by is kind of like bringing you down and making you feel like you're not worth that much, or you have to like stay within your, um, your sense of, uh, uh, uh poverty in a way. <laughs> so, um, are, are there ways that someone can, um, kind of live a more modest life, but still use this? Or is it, do you think it really applies so strongly to someone who aspires to, you know, deca billionaire status? You know, there's a point when you have millions where you don't need anything else. There's, there's, the money won't motivate you. You know, you can only have so many cars or so many jets or so many houses where, where you won't be spending time in any of them. Right. And so there's a point where money doesn't motivate other than 
right. as a benchmark, other than as something that says, I'm aiming for a billion. And here's my reason for aiming for a billion. Number one is to show people that it's possible, to right. show that it's doable, mm -hmm. and to hand my wife a billion-dollar check. Right. That's the first thing. The, the second thing is I know by doing this by example, if you don't want a billion dollars, awesome. How about 10 million? How about a million? And so, you know, asking the question, could people use this technology and live a more modest life? You could, yet you wouldn't. Right. <laughs> because, because the moment you stepped into certainty, you'd recognize that even the idea of living a more modest life is a lack of certainty. And the greater your certainty you know, you take an Elon Musk. Here's a person who doesn't approach things as if they were possible. He approaches things like, what will I make possible? Right. And the, the end result, just like, like the namesake of his company, uh, Nikolai, uh, said, we are all connected, not just on this planet. The entire universe is in an alignment that is connectable. Mm -hmm. And so I think that what happens for people, and that's the reason I told you, the first thing that Turning Point does is turns up your wantingness. Right. Nobody, nobody needs a $400,000 Rolls Royce Phantom to get from point A to point B until you've ridden in one. Then your brain starts to say, wow, that was nice. <laughs> Certainly nobody needs, I have three kids and a wife, uh, no family of five needs a 17,000 square foot home and a second home until you have them. And then you start to enjoy them. Mm -hmm. So part of what I believe is the whole world is a better place when we have what we call financial velocity. When people are buying and selling, when people are spending money, that is the sign of a robust or healthy economy. So yes, I like buying things and I like teaching people how to buy things because I know it's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for the entire economy. Everybody wins. Yeah. And there's, there's never any reason for anyone to feel bad about whatever their motivations are, even if that involves money. I think, uh, uh, again, you know, growing up in kind of like lower income, I think a lot of us tell ourselves that we're not worthy of, of uh, those riches or that, you know, that money is the root of evil or something and, and buying things is just wasteful. And uh, that's not necessarily true. You know, you can aspire Absolutely. to things, you can love things, you can enjoy it. That's totally, totally a great way to put it all. And so when, when people enter a state of financial certainty, when they get that, when they say, you know, money is good, people could, can be evil, yet money, like guns, uh, is innate. It, it, it's, it's not evil or, or good. It's neither. It's right. what people do with that state. And so right. my, my job is to put people in a certain financial state where they, they pick a number and they say, okay, that's the number. You know, there are, there are people that want to be the wealthiest person on the planet. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have that desire. It's not something that occurs to me. I don't want to build the biggest company ever and be the wealthiest person on the planet. What right. I do want to do is hand my wife a billion-dollar check and also give away a billion dollars to help combat a child sex trafficking and the re-education of homeless people that want to no longer be homeless and know that, uh, you know, when my life is used up, that my children will be proud of me, that the world will be a better place mm -hmm. and be more certain because I existed. That's fantastic. It really, truly seems like you're living a flow state of a life and you've got kind of all these little pieces in place that, that feel really good for you. And then you're just, you're just going to keep going and, and doing things and really build a legacy. That sounds amazing. I am very grateful and I've been very grateful to be on this podcast and would love to come back again. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much uh, for being on. Uh, you can, again, share uh, where people can find more about you. Yes, you can check out my website, Silver, S-Y-L-V-E-R, like my last name is spelled, silver.com. It'll give you all the details. It'll, it'll uh, update you on where we are with Certainty Incorporated and the Certainty Institute, and also when I might be coming to your area. Sounds good. Well, Marshall Silver, thank you so much for being on the show. Can't wait till next time. Awesome, Christian. Have an awesome day. You too. Thanks. Thank you.
Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also, while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later. Baby, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend. Oh, you know you got me going off your dopamine. All I really need, all I need is for you to put me on to the recipe. Yeah. Woo-hoo, purple flowers, candy showers, sandy air. Yeah. You dance for hours as I watch from overhead. It's on my team. You got me going off your dopamine. Yeah, it's on my team. You got me going off your dopamine.